Faith and Bagora. We're back to Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. After a little bit of a, of a well, a quote-unquote break. I mean, we, you probably didn't experience, you the listener, didn't really experience any interruptions. But uh, it's been, it was a little bit of an extended break for myself, Will Young, and especially for my co-host, uh, the jet-setting, Lucas Mancini. Oh, fiddly dee. Oh, William. I've come across from the Emerald Isle, and I'm here to talk about Arthur Witcher. I was, I, I was, maybe, afraid's not the right word. I was resigning myself to, like, well, we're going to have to annoy any Irish listeners we have. What are you talking about? This is just what I sound like. It is, there is a, there is a little bit of, there is a little bit of Cape Bretner in there. I mean, I know, there I'm, is there uh, is anyway, but I can definitely hear it. But you 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 spend some time around some authentic Irish accents, so it sounds it could be I, I, it could be a little more cartoony. So I think it's I think we're hitting a good stride here, uh, since you were of course over in the Emerald Isle for a good two weeks. Listen, spoilers for the episode, but I, I'm going to stop doing the accent because it was just getting worse the longer I was doing it. But I will say this: it is nothing if not better than Pepe's Italian accent, which we'll get into later on in the show. Oh, I was, uh, yes, yes, we will. Okay, I did. I don't want to get, don't want to get ahead of myself, but <laughs> boy, what an episode to return to. But yeah, everybody, welcome. Uh, this is, uh, we're continuing on, of course, with discussing uh, season, uh, was it 14? Are we on 14 right now? You see, it's been so long since we've actually had to talk about this. Yes, season 14. That I forgot the season. So we're getting back into the swing of things. Um, really quick, Lucas. I mean, just how how was your uh, how was your trip to Ireland? Oh, it was great. It was quite the adventure. We went all around Dublin, Cork, Limerick, Kilkenny, uh, Galway, uh, back to Dublin. Uh, yeah, lots lots of fun stuff. I've never been to Europe before, so it was a big adventure hopping on trains. Uh, I will say the one negative aspect was WestJet lost my luggage. So uh, on the way back, on the way back, luckily enough, uh, better than losing it on the way there. But uh, yeah, we're going to see if that ever comes back or not. If you, dear listener, have an in with WestJet, where is my luggage? Oh, for goodness sake. You know, it's it's one of those things that you, could, you forget actually happens until it happens to you. Um, gosh, that sucks. That's a little damper, uh, especially given given that all of the updates on your Instagram were very positive and beautiful, and at times Don't worry, in- Will. interesting, culturally interesting. Uh, I'm like, uh, I'm just telling myself I, I have my own Brad Pitt a la Fight Club. It was just stuff, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be very zen about it. Exactly. Well, while you were over in uh, Ireland, or at least getting ready to go, I wanted to mention the fact that uh, we had a very rare instance of an Elwood City Limits meetup. Me and our very first patron, uh, Leanne S. It was really nice to be able to see her. She was here in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, and we uh, just hung around for a few hours, and it was very nice to make her acquaintance and talk about the show again. I was, I was like, it was weird because it was like. You know, it was the first time that I've ever been in the situation where, like, somebody is coming to see me, not because we knew each other, but because they're like, I'm a fan of something of yours. And I'm like, oh. And then there was a point in the conversation where I'm like, I feel like I'm talking too much. And she's just like, that's why I'm here. I wanted to talk to you and hear about the show. And I'm just like, okay, 
you know, celebrity is not something that comes easily to me, and I think it would be more worrisome if it did. And, I, geez, uh, let's let's take that ca- uh, capital C to little c in celebrity, and let's put at least five quotation marks around that on both sides. Uh, either way, it was really nice to see Leanne, and I will I will just say, and I hope that this doesn't. Um, well, I mean, in a way, maybe if if this sparks a bunch of tourism to the Nova Scotia area, uh, Tourism Nova Scotia can thank me. Yeah, if you if you manage to find yourself in the Halifax area, I'll at least speak for myself and say, uh, if you're a listener of the podcast and you ask me in a nice and respectful way and remain nice and respectful, I would be happy to uh, meet up with you if our times and dates allow. So, Leanne, very nice to meet you, our very first patron from day one. She's been She's been here. And as we get into Arthur, quick mention here. Uh, I put this on the social media, the social, the socials this week. Um, it is an Arthur video that is very dear to me because it's in one of my favorite YouTube genres, which is one second from every episode of a thing. And this time it's one second of every Arthur episode by the YouTuber Zach Zilla. Very good. It was it was really funny. Like I just I I I love those. There's one of my favorites is like one second of every Looney Tunes cartoon from like nineteen the 1920s <laughs> to now, and it's just so it's 15 minutes of pure chaos. It's the best. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's it's it should be on all of our uh, social media, or at least it should be on like Twitter and Facebook. Mm. Uh, so not all of our social media, but ma- the two of the main ones. Check it out there. And Zaxilla is on YouTube. So we've also had some correspondence in the couple of weeks that we've been away. And let's take it now to ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Our first email comes addressed to Will Lucas and Mike from Cecil. They say, I understand what you and Jason were saying about the show acting like graphic novels were some strange and new concept. This is me and Jason Schwimmer in a few episodes ago. To the show's credit, to Arthur's credit, that episode is how I learned what a graphic novel is. I would have been eight years old when that episode came out, so I think it's possible that a lot of the kids in the target demographic would have had no idea. Well, how am I supposed to know that Arthur is a show for children? Mm. How can you expect me to know that? One interesting thing is that I did the math, depending how the schedule goes. Uh, yeah, depending on how the schedule goes. You guys will start season 16, the first Flash animation season, in January or February of 2023, depending on any delays. Oh, depending indeed. You never know. So, uh, I, I try not to make too many plans for the for the podcast, to be real with you, because every time I do, eh, something happens that upsets them. So better to have less expectations. So maybe we'll be at the Flash animation season by this time next year. Before we get there, there are some episodes coming in the next few seasons I'm excited excited to hear your thoughts on. Additionally, I thought it would be fun to create the list of your guys' favorite episode each season so far, which could be a best episode of Arthur according to Elwood City Limits list. So, Lucas, I found this to be very interesting. I'll just go through the quick hits because uh, they start off with yours here. So, for season one, your best episode was Buster Makes the Grade. Season two, Arthur's Ooh. Faraway Friend. Season three, The Ballad of Buster Baxter. Very Buster heavy. Of course. Very Buster heavy. I mean, I, 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 that's uh, that's really interesting to hear, like, all in succession, because I'm not really thinking about that when I'm selecting the episodes. Like, oh, I picked a Buster one that last time, so I should pick a Buster one this time. So I suppose I'm wearing my, my heart on my sleeve with these and just kind of 
picking the ones that center on my favorite character at the time. Well, one of my favorite characters, rather. Buster was an early show heavy hitter for sure. Yeah. Season four, The Blizzard, which you've said is perhaps your favorite Arthur episode ever. Season five, kids are from Earth, parents are from Pluto. Season six, the boy with his head in the clouds. Season seven, waiting to go. Season eight, bleep. Season nine, law of the jungle gym. Season 10, world girls. Season 11, dancing fools. Season 12, the chronicles of Buster. And season 13, fernlets by fern. You can tell these are good episodes because I remember all of these just by their Mm. name. For me... Season one, my favorite episode was Bully for Binky, which kind of surprises me. I've, I've I'm, like, I'm always the first to say, like, oh, yeah, Arthur's Baby and DW's Baby is my favorite. But that's interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if I ended up being if it ended up being settling on Bully for Binky. Um, now, if I really think about it, season two, Fern's Slumber Party. Season three, What Scared Sue Ellen. Oh, these are so good. These are all such good episodes. <laughs> season four, My Music Rules. Season five, Bitsy's Bow. Really? Oh. That's kind of surprised here. Season six, Arthur and Los Vecinos. Season seven, Elwood City Turns 100. Season eight, Bleep. It's, uh, me and Lucas love that bleep. Season nine, Tipping the Scales. Season 10, World Girls. We both love that episode. Hmm. Season 11, Big Brother Binky. Season 12, The Chronicles of Buster. And season 13, The Great McGrady. It was interesting to go back and see what did and didn't make the list, especially earlier episodes, as we now have the hindsight of the episodes that are still regularly brought up. The biggest shock for me was Grandpa Dave's Country Farm not getting number one on Lucas's list. It got number two. So I, I guess maybe chalk that up to um, just maybe changing tastes or simply, I, in my case, I'd say it's just my lack of memory. Yeah, oh, I, that and I especially uh, now nowadays I actually do a lot more work to try and remember the episodes uh, when I'm tabulating those lists, and that's in part because the episodes are a lot more forgettable in the later seasons. Yeah. Um, but I'll also say that um, sometimes an episode stands out a lot more in retrospect. Right? It's like movies too. There's some movies where when I watch them, I'm like, okay, whatever, and then I will give the movie more credit if I think about it uh, long afterwards. Remember that movie? I was talking to uh, my girlfriend about this the other day remember that movie malignant yes uh, i just, when, saw, when I I just first, saw it recently I, when i first watched it i hated it mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was like this mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. is terrible um but um i will give that movie more credit uh in retrospect i still don't think it's a particularly good movie right. but i think it was doing something because there's parts of it that i think about quite a bit and, and have really stuck in my head uh and that's always better than something that's just totally forgettable um and grandpa dave's country farm i think is an episode we bring up so much because uh it's not until we start to realize that in, in in retrospect that's kind of the high point of what Arthur can do when it's you know really firing on all cylinders with its unique moral with its character work with its jokes and humor um, that's a great example to kind of be the measuring stick at which other episodes are measured up against um, that being said that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a, a personal favorite right like I yeah. I think the blizzard is an episode that I think about so much because it means a lot to me personally mm-hmm. and not because it's in an objective sense uh, the best Arthur episode, though I think it, it, in an objective sense, it's still a very good one as well. I think a lot of people would agree with you as well, uh, read the Blizzard. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, speaking very quickly on Malignant, I gave that the old three stars on Letterboxd, and uh, one of the longer reviews I wrote because I had a, I, I also had a lot to think about. It's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the truth of anything that you're watching or interacting with, is that how you feel when you first encounter it it will not always be the way you feel forever, nor should it be. I think that there are a lot of opinions that I held on to 
that I formed as a teenager who didn't really know a lot of stuff and then going back into something being like, oh, either I was wrong or like I was right, but not in the way that I thought I was right. You know, like like in, in high school, I had the opinion of like, I was like, oh, uh, Twin Peaks isn't that good or like. Evangelion's not that good, and then it's just like those are two of my f- favorite television shows ever. Because it needed, I needed time to grow, and it needed time to like really mm. steep in my brain, which is really frustrating because you want to be able to know exactly what you're feeling and thinking at any time. But I don't know; it's just human nature. Sometimes you really don't know how you feel about something until you have time to separate yourself from it and go back to it. So one of our one of the most frustrating uh, truths of human existence there. Thank wow. you, <laughs> thank you uh, to Cecil for that. Here's one from Megan. Hi, Will and Lucas. I just got through your episode where DW needed tubes put in her ears. When I was a child, I had many surgeries to fix my hearing, and they all included putting tubes in my ears. They worked. Be- by the way, my ears are good now. I'd hope so, or else I don't know how you'd be uh, a fan of our podcast. When I first saw this episode, it brought back memories of me getting ready for surgery, and I can say it's pretty accurate. I was young, so I didn't really think much of it, and it was pretty minor surgery, really, so I was out of commission for a couple of days, and then back to my old self. The tubes eventually fell out, I believe, a few months or so later. I'm happy that Arthur decided to tackle this issue, as I'm sure, like me, lots of kids have had to go through this, and for any anxious children, I hope that it helped them. Still catching up on the podcast and the Patreon-exclusive episodes as well. I love your podcast so much. Thank you guys for doing what you do. We've actually run the gamut in terms of um, feedback about that particular Arthur episode. We have this one that said it was very helpful. And then I remember when we originally covered it, we got an email, and I forgive me, I forget who it was from, of a person who really responded negatively to the episode. So uh, mm. always, always find it interesting when there are differences of opinion. This one is from Amity. They say, for your celebrity casting. I had a ton of fun listening to them. Uh, This is celebrity casting for an Arthur animated film, especially the more out there ones like Anya Taylor-Joy or Seth Rogen. (laughs) And I agree that for an animated Arthur film, they should just get the usual cast. And in Arthur tradition, get some celebrities as side characters, whether it be new characters or the celebrities playing themselves. Speaking of, would you want an animated Arthur film to be either 2D, CGI, uh, less missing, less Arthur's missing pal, and more Spider Verse style, or even stop motion. Of course, for me, 2D makes the most sense, though I would hope for it to be more hand drawn than the Flash. Um, yeah, I, 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 I would too, just because, of course, we're we're purists about that. Lucas, I know that you have very specific thoughts about the Flash animation. Um, listen, love stop motion. I just feel like it would be a little, dis- little distracting, and you could you could do like a cool. Spider-Verse style CGI, but that is also very stylized in a way that I don't think that Arthur generally has been. So I would say stick with with 2D. What was that awful CGI movie we watched? Pal's Missing? Arthur's Missing Pal. Arthur's Missing Pal. See, that's the problem is like, I don't know why my mind always goes to like the glass half full of like, they're giving me all these options, 2D, stop motion, 3D. And I'm thinking of the worst possible examples. I'm like, okay, if I pick 2D, it's going to be the Flash animated show. If I pick uh, uh, CGI, it's going to look like Arthur's Missing Pal. Uh, But there's no reason for it to have to look that way, right? It it could look like that new Peanuts movie that was really pretty. Yeah, Um, Yeah, that didn't look too bad. I I would say if you're going to give me stop motion as an option, I'm going to take stop motion. 
action. Mm. Um, it's not something Arthur's done before, but you know, if you were to do it like fantastic Mr. Fox style and give kind of, you know, mm. Arthur is, is supposed to be kind of covered with fur, right? So if you gave him like a felty texture, oh, yeah, uh, okay. I, I, I think that would be really cool. Now that would take, uh, way too much money and time for them to ever do it. Uh, but since you're proposing it as an option to me, that's absolutely my preference. Um, if that one's not available, I would say uh, 2D animated in the old uh, hand-drawn style, of course. I've got it. We need to resurrect the technology that Robert Zemeckis had for the Polar Express. <laughs> we need Ah, to- yes. Mocap Arthur. Mo-cap, yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, we'll get James Cameron to direct it. James Cameron's Arthur. Uh, and it will, yeah, it, it'll be CGI, but it'll be completely mo-capped. And Jim Carrey is going to play at least five different roles. Mm, yeah, Jim Carrey and Tom Hanks. Tom yeah. Hanks will be the other roles. Yeah, exactly. For the response to my reboot proposal, you made a great point about it, though I can't help but let my mind think of what I would do with such an idea anyways. And so far, what I've come up with is essentially the movie Boyhood, where we start with Arthur and his friends at 8 in season 1, age 8, and end with them at 18 in season 11. A daunting task for sure, lol. But like you guys said, maybe for the best that Arthur stays as it was. I don't know. Arthur Boyhood doesn't sound too bad to me. Just a sprinkle. Was there there a cartoon where the characters aged like that? Wait a minute. Cartoon. I mean, I mean, I mean, probably in some, in some regard. Anyway, I'll I'll move on here. If you if you think of it, let me know. To just sprinkle in some of the LGBTQ plus agenda in here, sprinkle away. I've also thought about what the characters could come to identify as over time. So far, I have Francine as bisexual (parentheses obvious choice to make) and Fern identifying as aero ace. Uh, uh, that would be asexual and aromantic. Uh, when she gets older. I don't know, just something about Fern to me screams her having a lack of romantic attraction for others as a teen or adult. As for my last one, I'll have to go with Molly being a lesbian. Just her whole thing of a punk girl screams, I love women within my own gay heart. (laughs) And lastly, do you think with Arthur having tackled Ratbird marrying another man, would Arthur have tackled other LGBTQ plus themes, specifically trans identity? As someone who falls under the trans umbrella myself, I certainly would have been intrigued to such an idea. Uh, to wrap things up, I've managed to catch up with all the episodes. Certainly a one-year journey to get here. Wow, holy. Thank you very much. I look forward for what you have in store, and let's just hope Adult TW switches careers soon. Well, we can only hope. Um, as for Arthur tackling other um, LGBTQ themes, yeah, yeah, it's possible. It, I mean, it would be, it would be, I would like to, I would like to think it would be a good thing. I would just hope that they do so from an informed and empathetic perspective because I think we're definitely, we are, I feel we're definitely at the point where showing two men or two women getting married shouldn't be controversial, even though unfortunately Mm. it always will be to a degree. When you come into um, issues of um, uh, kids identifying as transgender or anything else along that spectrum, I would hope that they would be able to talk to and involve people in the creative process who have actually lived that experience because then, you know, we've we've seen Arthur do a lot of message-based episodes and some of them come across well and others of them, unfortunately, are very dated. And this is a very fraught time for trans people. I mean, for LGBTQ people in general, but for trans people especially and... 
you know, I would just hope that they did a good job. I mean, we're probably not going to get that because, of course, Arthur is canceled or it's not airing anymore. But it is interesting to think about, and I would just really, really cross my fingers and hope that they that they did that they had something to say without either saying nothing or saying the wrong thing, which is a heck of a needle to thread. I would also say that, you know, when it comes to tackling the issues of the day, it is something that Arthur doesn't shy away from, but it's also not something that they always do in the way that you would expect. That's something that I've always liked about Arthur is that it doesn't, when they are uh, giving a moral or a lesson, um, it's usually not in a sense where you think, oh, you know, this is the this is the social justice issue of the week that Arthur has decided to give their take on. It's always in a way that's a little bit more outside of the box and a little bit more nuanced. That's one of the things I like about the show. Um, so, uh, you know, LGBTQ issues, um, any other issues that are facing um, the children of uh, North America today, I'm sure that Arthur uh, would could have an episode about any of them, really. But I think totally. that's something that is, uh, unique to Arthur is that no matter what it tackles, it always kind of does it in an angle that always surprises us, um, where it, right. it doesn't feel like they're um, uh, taking it on in the way that other kids, because lots of kids shows uh, like to tackle topical issues, um, but Arthur always kind of, kind of finds its own lane with it. And so that's something that I would think is that no matter what issue you could think of, I'm sure if Arthur was going on for infinitum, uh, it would eventually tackle it, but probably not in the way you'd expect. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good reading. We got a, a Facebook message here from Stephanie, who just found us, loves the podcast. I'm in my 30s. I used to watch Arthur with my little brother every day after school. He's four years younger. Uh, the show came out when I was 10 and he was six, so I was already a bit quote, too old, but we both loved it. I still watch episodes now and then, and I'm waiting to introduce my niece and nephew. I know this podcast episode is two years old or so, um, but I did want to comment on Prunella Sees the Light. I have mild cerebral palsy, which is a neuro-slash-physical disorder that, for me, comes with some significant visual issues. Specifically, I have no depth perception and no peripheral vision. I'm also mildly on the spectrum. You'll get more into that when you meet uh, Carl, though as an autistic girl, I'm not very much like him. Marina's experience was and is very much like mine in that I do not want people treating me like a fragile little doll. But also, I noticed that Marina was rightfully offended because Prunella started making everything about her disability. Uh, For example, are there braille dice? Can you play backgammon? Yada, yada, yada. And she tries to laugh it off, but then she can't anymore. This happens to disabled people a lot where, like, we know you're trying to help and we appreciate that you're not ignoring the fact that this is part of our identity and experience, but that doesn't mean you have to question everything we do. What I loved even more is that the writers made it very clear the argument was not Marina's fault. So often in my life when I got into Marina's situation, my parents or teachers would say, well, honey, she or they were only trying to be nice. They were only trying to help you. That's casual ableism. And what it says is, you're the one with a disability. You're the one whose body and or brain is different. Therefore, you need to to defer to the majority person and apologize to them for misunderstanding their intentions. Of course, I didn't know it then, but that's what it is, and it's a steaming pile of crap. So I'm so glad the writers made it clear Marina was in the right to tell Prunella that it is basically wrong to treat a disabled person as a less than person. I also liked the resolution in the last scene where they're friends again, and Marina still asks Prunella for help when she needs it. I especially liked when she asked for Prunella's arm when they got to the curb, because I do that all the time. And Prunella has now learned one of the key lessons of having a friend who's disabled. You can help, but please wait to be asked. So glad I found you guys really loving the podcast. 
And that's the type of feedback we, I mean, we, we love all your feedback, but this is, I mean, this kind of ties into what you were talking about, Lucas, in terms of how Arthur has always approached uh, issues. It's always, I, f- I feel like what ties it together is that it always, it almost always uses these types of discussions or issues as a way to engender empathy for the lifestyle or point of view of a person who might be different than yours. So mm. I always love when we get these types of feedback from uh, from listeners who watch the show as a kid or are watching it again, listening with us, and give us an opportunity to learn a little bit more about a perspective that we don't have because neither Lucas nor I, as far as I know, are disabled. Lucas, I know you have dyslexia, but in terms of any uh, physical disabilities, we we yeah. don't we don't have any. So this is a really valuable thing for us to learn and to expand on from from Arthur. So uh, really and, grateful. And to another Stephanie thing for is that. another yeah. thing is you know that lesson. I, it's such a great lesson for that episode to have because at the end of the day, the um, it is about – it does validate that uh, Prunella was in the wrong, um, but it's less about a case of right and wrong and more about that the takeaway is, you know, if you have a friend that you care about, um, you should be cognizant of their feelings and have open communication with them about what makes them comfortable, what makes them not comfortable, and it's a two-way street and it's, it's about communication, right? And so, you know, that's – a lesson that can be applicable to people who even don't know anyone who's disabled, right? Of course, it's amazing uh, for those who do because it can help you uh, act accordingly um, and and you know not be ableist. Uh, but it's also a great applicable lesson for everyone, which is to you know be uh, compassionate, empathetic, and know when to listen and and uh, be open minded, especially when it's people you care about. And so I think that's another example of Arthur, uh, really paving its own lane when it comes to these issues. Our last one comes from Yappy, who, first of all, they meant New Brunswick and not Nova Scotia in the previous email. It's okay, Yappy. It's all right. I figure that's what you meant. A couple of episodes back, you and Jason Schwimmer or whomever was on the episode mentioned that the Arthur show never shows grandma Thora as a teenager. That is in fact, not true. We do get a brief glimpse of grandma Thora as a teenager in the sugar bowl. Uh, it is a Sue Ellen episode. She has a similar design to Catherine. Yes, you're right. Yappy. I totally forgot. There is a, a brief part in an episode where I think they're talking about selling the sugar bowl where grandma Thora remembers being there as a teenager. Totally left my mind. So you're right. In your last episode, you were naming off actors who could play in a lar- in an Arthur live-action movie. I chose Betty White to play Mrs. McGrady, unfortunately not doable anymore, and Tim Russ from Star Trek Voyager to play The Brain, who I believe is Tuvok? Um, I haven't seen Voyager, but I, I have a very... I know I can recall Tuvok in my head, at least visually. Let me know in your episode your thoughts on my casting, and that's from Yappy Yogurt. Thank you, everybody who messaged us at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com or sent us a message on social media. And, of course, we want to give thanks to our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Now, we've stepped, we briefly stepped away from For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. Uh, our latest offering, well, there was two of them. First, there was uh, the latest entry in the ECL Eats video series where I made Buster's Tomato Witch. Um, how did it taste? You'll have to uh, join the Patreon to find out. And you'll also have to join the Patreon to hear our latest uh, ECL Presents interview 
This one was the brainchild of Lucas, and I think it went very, very well. I recently spoke with our guest and uh, sent him a copy of the interview. He was very happy with it, and that's a YouTuber, The Betamax King. Yes, uh, please go listen to the Betamax King interview, uh, and if you haven't looked up his YouTube channel and you're curious to know about all these kind of cultural East Coast uh, references, like when we talk about TV from the era that Arthur was originally airing, uh, this is what we're talking about, and it wouldn't be possible without the hard work of the Betamax King, and if you want to hear more about his story, uh, yeah, tune into that interview, pay us our Patreon monies, and, and check it out. And it is indeed pay what you want. Uh, usually I say like, oh, it's, you know, it's only it's really only a dollar, which it is. But I will say pay what you want is the scheme that we go with. And we want to thank everybody uh, for who has decided to subscribe to us. We have new subscribers like Ash, Jared G, David Corrales and Cat Dog. We also have uh, longer patrons who are still here and we thank them, such as Shayna Keegan. We have Josh Andalo, uh, Rory Forever and Laura Ashley. We have Infra 90, Jay Wags, Charlie Heckman, Baby Show Addict, Greenhouse Vinyls, and we also have the second page is loading. Bob Yee, Sydney Long, Ursula Cat, EJ Acra, and Michaela Gibson, and let's say Kevin Noon. And thank you to everybody. If it's been a while since I've said your name, please let me know. We had a oh man, <laughs> look at the time code. We're at the almost the thirty minute mark. We had a lot to catch up on, and now it's time to talk about Arthur. And, <laughs> Luckily, so, this first episode won't take long. <laughs> Well, that's what I was thinking, Lucas. I was just like, okay, this is our first ECL since Lucas has come back, and I really hope we, you know, we get back to business with Around the World in 11 Minutes. And it's, uh, well, let's get to, let's get to the cold, let's get to the cold open first, where Arthur is asking, a lot of these cold opens now are relying on Arthur asking you a prospective question about your life. So, Lucas, you ever think about how the things we use every day come from all <laughs> over the world? For example, uh, Arthur uses the examples of what Binky is <laughs> – Binky just happens to have on his person. So, for example, they're playing, like, catch with a baseball. So the catcher's mitt that Binky has and the baseball are made in China. He has a sandwich in his mouth. The cheese in his sandwich is from Canada. The shirt that he's wearing was made in Malaysia, and the pants were from Honduras. And as he mentions all of these, they disappear. And at one point, Binky is shirtless. And then off screen, I'll grant you, but then Arthur's just like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about where the pants are from. I'm like, dude, come on. The, man, the man's half naked. This is this is a weird cold open for a couple reasons. I mean, that's one <laughs> of them. For two, it's like Arthur explaining like the globalization of the economy, um, and it's a weird way to be like, yeah, there's lots of because this episode's basically just there's lots of different countries in the world, and it's fascinating to learn about all the different countries and their cultures and what makes them unique. But it's a weird way to explain that by being like, yeah, we actually get these really uh, destitute poor countries with all the cheap labor to make all of the stuff that we import into our rich country. Um, I mean, that's not the point Arthur's making, but that is the uh, material circumstances that are, are why Binky's entire fit is from, uh, you know, the third world or whatever. Uh, yeah, so just kind of a weird open. And yes, it's also weird that he makes Binky naked. <laughs> you, you saying that makes re makes me really wish that uh, this Arthur voice actor could do like a cold open of just like, you ever think about the war economy? <laughs> mm, mm. 
<laughs> you ever, you ever <laughs> yeah. You ever think about NAFTA, the NAFTA agreements, and why America doesn't manufacture anything anymore? War has changed. ID-tagged soldiers carry ID-tagged guns. Mm. Just do the Metal Gear Solid 4 opening. So, it's a baby in the dogs episode. I thought we were done with this, Will. I thought we had retired. Pal wasn't going to be able to hear Kate anymore and vice versa. I thought this was over, but alas. Yeah. Lucas, I don't think we're ever going to be free of this. Like, I Mm. feel like this is going to have to be something that we're going to have to keep coming back to. Like, I, mm. I don't think these, I don't know, I don't know if these go away. Maybe they do. Um, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So, the babies and the dogs want to know what the word global means because, <laughs> okay, so. The, They've been watching Alex Jones and they <laughs> want to hear about all these globalists. So, we're at like a backyard barbecue. Um, Dad, Reed, and Ramon are doing a global cuisine cook-off. So Ramon is adding cumin to lamb kebabs on the grill, and Dad is making something called Singapore salmon. So the word global is in their heads. And uh, Pal says it's probably one of those nonsense words that humans always say, like, be a good dog. Um, So they want to know what global means. And then Nemo pimps up in the tree here, and he says he, he bets that Pal can't make it around the world before the party ends. And so there's a prize and a consequence. If Pal can do it, he gets Nemo's lamb chop that he just has. Or if he can't make it, Pal has to wear an I Heart Cats t-shirt for the rest of his life, which is seen as like a a huge slight. Like basically Pal never be able to show his face among other dogs again. So, where did Nebo get this T-shirt? Where Where did he get a dog-sized "I Love Cats" T-shirt? We We can't We can't ask We can't stop to ask questions. I'm telling you, like the the next thing I have in my notes has no less than four question marks, and there are more to come after that. So the, the four. So when I say the four, it's Baby Kate, Pal, Amigo, and Mei Lin. Two babies and two dogs. They use a car to travel around the world. Like we, we, we find out later that it's all in their imagination. Which then, yeah, Lucas, it begs like not only where, like where, like where did Nemo get the lamb chop from? Like what, like what does he care? Like if it's in everybody's imagination, like how are we? How does how is Nemo judging this? Couldn't he just say that Pal failed well, anyway? Or is it a collective Nemo's trying to kill them. Ne- Nemo, in their imagination, Nemo tries to kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, in their imagination, they start using a car to travel around the world. Uh, I, my, my first note after this was, bro, what? Um, they first travel to Italy before Nemo tries to kill them. They travel to Italy and I'm not kidding. I was eating breakfast while I was while I was uh, watching this, and then who shows up? But everybody's favorite Italian, Pepe the Flea. I nearly <laughs> spat out my breakfast. I was hooting and hollering because what an episode for Lucas to return to vacation from. He gets yeah. to experience the richness of Irish culture, and then he gets to come back and just have his culture slapped in the face again. 
That's right. We have a Pepe. He serves them pasta. Yeah. Um, he's a, you know, Will, he's for, for the listeners who maybe have gotten on later and they haven't listened to the episode where we were first introduced to Pepe, why don't we give them a little taste of the Pepe voice, if you'd like, Will. I'll allow you okay. to do the Pepe voice. Just, you know, It's something along the lines of just like... It's 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 a little bit less high pitched and squeaky, like because he's like, it's like, hi, pal, welcome to to Italy. We serve the pasta, have a ravioli. Like you can do it at home. It's just, it's so. It's it's, it's yeah. It is. It, it it's got the <laughs> sense of like Adam Sandler doing an Italian accent, which is to say, not an Italian accent at all. Yeah, it's it's really annoying. <laughs> Um, but I thought it was very funny because, again, as I said, it was just like, wow, great. Hey, Lucas, come record this episode with this uh, with this black spot on your culture. Um, yeah, probably my most hated <laughs> Arthur character of all time. Even um, even more so than um, what's her, uh, Cousin Cora? Oh, I don't, what was Cousin Cora's deal? See, I can't hate her that much because I don't remember her, mm, I guess. That's, you know what? Cousin Cora has only showed up once so far. So Pepe has been here like three times. And he's <laughs> had like a whole episode devoted to him. So you know what? Fair enough. The, uh, we, we've managed to rehab some hated characters on this show. But I don't know if there's any rehabbing Pepe. He's not my least favorite, but he's certainly down there I'd, i would have to think about who my least favorite character is right now but um nothing's really coming to mind uh ju- well i uh you know this is weird i you know i've been i've been uploading all of the old episodes onto youtube and kind of hearing bits and pieces from it and i remember like early on in the show and even uh me and peebs were talking about this a couple episodes ago how much how cute pal is but then he opens his friggin' mouth, and I just oh, interesting. Oh, so wow, if, so fascinating. If, if Pal's not talking, he's one of my favorite characters. When he starts talking, he's one of my least favorite, maybe my least favorite. British Pal, this is uh, quite the development from you because you were like number one Pal fan. But it makes sense; he is kind of a different character when he's going. Oh, Kate, I'm a, a British dandy now. I know it just ru- uh, it just ruins so much of what I like about Pal, and it's just hmm. like uh, he's like mini Mister Ratburn. I'm like, that's not what okay. Pal is. He's not even that old. We we got to get through this around the world in eleven yeah, minutes because the, the episode really doesn't uh, <laughs> need this much discussion. So, so they yeah yeah yeah. So they, the, so they're in they're in Italy. I just want I just want to say not to cut you off, but uh, you know what happens throughout the episode is that their various vehicles get sabotaged by Nemo. Um, did you find there's this there's a scene here where they're all on Vespas and then Nemo gets in this like rocket car? I got some big speed racer vibes from this. Speed racer, kind of like James Bond, mm, mm-hmm. like yeah. oh, he's using gadgets in the back of this weird rocket car, and again, he's trying to kill them in this part, um, and he also runs off the road, uh, yeah. and then later on, you know, when they're when they're in the air, they they eventually get on an airplane, and he's even more overtly trying to kill them, like yeah. Twilight Zone style, like ripping <laughs> apart the wings of the airplane. There's a cat. Like, there's a cat on the wing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so they use a boat that gets sabotaged by weather. They wash up on the shores of Egypt. They take a balloon past various landmarks into China, which they stop at for Mei Lin. And <laughs> Mei Lin's got a silly line here. This could have been punched up a little bit. She goes, that's the Great Wall of China. We must be in China. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't even notice at this point. I was just kind of like looking at my watch. Um, so... 
there the Nemo sabotages the hot air balloon that they used to ride in, so they take a plane. Speaking of punching up, there was a part where Kate was like, "Can you fly, pal?" To which I was like, "It's not real. He can do anything." <laughs> and like he said, they're they're trying to fly home to Elwood City. Nemo is sabotaging the plane, which there there are like real life analogs to this. Like all the different vehicles they're getting are like toys that they're interacting with in the real world, which is this this is all in their collective imagination question mark. Um <laughs> there is a part where they parachute out Pal has to jump off the plane as he's like fighting with Nemo over the airplane toy. Pal jumps into Kate's arms, who is in a parachute. Nemo just drops, <laughs> and I wrote here, "LOL, Nemo f-ing dies." Yeah, well, it's one of his nine lives, right? Yeah. Um, there was there was a funny reading here at the end. So they go around the world. Nemo doesn't hold up his end of the bargain though, because he says, and he's got that very like slimy way of talking. He's like, "I suppose you want to claim your lamb chop for winning the bet." Well, you can't. I ate it. <laughs> yes, this was all for naught. <laughs> yeah, like, it, just the weird way he said, the, I ate the, it. Yeah. This but, consequence-free but it, episode, uh, what consequence it had left is also removed from the episode. So it's just kind of like... <laughs> but it wasn't all anyway. for nothing. They had fun. Oh, true, true. The real lamb chop was the friends we made along the way. I see. Yeah, so... That's it. That's all I want to say. Uh, very quickly, before we get into, I think, the thing we both want to talk about. Uh, and now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. Just quickly going over this. Again, it's, it's one of the more cutesier ones. We've had, we've had some word from us kids that are like, can be kind of legitimately interesting. This one is just like uh, the kids in Miss Corpus's class uh, learning about continents and the different countries that their families come from. Uh, the only note I had for this was, what's up, Miss Corpus? What, uh, how you doing? Uh, I wrote down, I, and I mean this a little bit in jest, but also not, I didn't realize Americans learned this stuff. <laughs> uh, just from, like, viral videos of, like, Americans <laughs> not knowing where countries are, right? Like, I just assumed that they never learned about the countries in Europe. These kids are being like, I'm from Denmark. My family is descended from Denmark. I don't know. I feel like I've seen so many uh, people on the street, like, name, you know, wh- what continent is this country in? And they say, like, a city or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I suppose... The best laid plans, you can learn this stuff in elementary school and you could just as easily forget it. Uh, but yeah, I learned something about the American education system with this word from us kids. Well, it could just be that Miss Corpus is just a really good teacher who went against the grain uh, to, to teach them a little something about geography. All right. We got that one out of the way. Now we'll talk a proper Arthur episode right after this. Hey, it's Jason Schwimmer, and I'm from the Finding DW podcast. You can support this podcast by following on Facebook. They're at Elwood City Limits. Twitter at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, Elwood City Limits. IG, as the kids say, Elwood City Limits. If you want to send them an email, drop them a line at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. This podcast the one you're listening to now is available on iTunes, on Spotify, youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits, and on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you want that extra sweet, sweet content, check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Elwood City Limits. How'd I do? And now back to the 
It's called Muffy and the Big Bad Blog. <laughs> Again, we start this one off with like Arthur asking a like prospective question about maybe something that's happened in your life. So the question that Arthur's asking as he's playing tennis with Francine and Muffy's on the sidelines. Have you ever been with someone who has to write down everything that happens? So on the one hand, I feel like no one has had this problem. No single person. On the other hand, I have been this person. I've ah. been, I have been the type of person who's just like, oh yeah, like remember when we were both we were both in the same radio program. So like they were like go buy a field recorder, and then I would bring the field recorder around to like my friends and be like, I'm just gonna put it on the table and record what we say because we're so funny, and they're like two hours of us playing video games and doing nothing. So. I am very guilty of this, but it's also just like I don't think people have this problem. It's not very I mean, relatable. People, people, some people tweet too damn much. Well, that's a very real thing. Well, and so this is going to be something that I don't want to get into right this second, but this episode like made me think about a lot. So <laughs> let's 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 just save that for like ten minutes from now. The idea of this episode, so the whole thing is like Muffy is writing down everything that Arthur is saying in the cold open. The episode itself starts with Muffy announcing that she's going to Costa Rica, and she advertises her new blog to the class. It's called The Muffington Post. Polite clap Snappy for that name. one. Poli- Snappy po- name. Polite clap for that one. So this is where, and this is where it's just like, oh, this is going to be about blogs as Muffy goes on the trip with her dad and everywhere she goes and every activity she does she is blogging on her laptop so again this is on the one hand I think this this episode's coming out in like late 2010 it's totally appropriate for Arthur around this time to be educating kids about blogs like the email like the, one of the emails that we read said it's just like kids probably don't have an idea or have a loose idea of what a blog really is. So this is actually pretty appropriate, especially for the time. It's also the funniest thing in the world in 2022 to be like mm, true, talking true. Uh, talking about blogs as if they're like the biggest thing that will be like they're sent. There's they're like books 2.0. They're going to be yeah. the next big thing. And then looking ahead 10 plus years later and being like, it really wasn't that big. Like to have a whole Arthur episode devoted to it is just like, it's it's cool and all. You could have also not. Yeah, it's interesting because um, it, it it does feel incredibly dated. Like I feel like people don't talk <laughs> about blogs anymore. There's a line where so one of the the B plot of this episode, the A plot is Muffy has her blog that she's blog. She starts by blogging in Costa Rica. The B plot of this episode is that uh, Mr. Rapper is a luddite. Yes, and doesn't own a computer, and he's learning. Um, internet literacy, basically, which this is a little bit of a retcon because Brain did explain to him how to use the computer in a previous episode. Uh, but but the, the but, I, but I will I will say that that version of it was like that was like Netscape Navigator dial into the internet. Now true, it's true. completely changed again. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ratburn was like completely turned around by that. But you're right. This is like he he, he, he knew how to send emails though, and now he doesn't know how to turn the dang thing on. <laughs> uh, I, but yeah, so yeah. so so brain is Mr. Rapper doesn't know what a blog is, and brain gives the really unhelpful tidbit of information. He goes, "Blog is short for web blog." Mm-hmm. It's like great. That's so that now I I understand it so much more now. Uh, but you're right that like 
it's all very passe, the way that they're talking about blogs and hearing the term even blog so much in this episode. But, and we'll get into this a little bit later on, some of the lessons are still very applicable. In fact, are even more applicable than when this episode was originally airing. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But all the blog stuff is very funny yeah. for how dated it is. So did you ever keep a blog? Like, did you ever, like, before social or around social media, did you ever, like, do a straight up, like, written, like, t- typewritten blog? I don't know. Did you do you know what Pixo is? I had a Pixo website back in like grade was, six. Wasn't wasn't that a um wasn't wasn't that primarily for photos? It was like it was like a web. It was like a tool you could use to make basically like a website. Okay. Um, but but oh. like really remedial. Like it wasn't. It like even a step below. Um, something like Squarespace or, mm-hmm. or one of the more kind of professional ones. This was like something intended for kids. And I think this was like pre-Facebook. I had this at like grade six. Uh, in fact, we actually had a assembly at my elementary school about Pixo because mm. kids were getting up to some, some oh. uh, the kids were, were being mean to each other on each other's oh, Pixo good. websites. Okay. Uh, if, if they're being mean to each other, that's not good. But you said like kids getting up to, and I'm just like, <gasps> oh no, <laughs> like on the just internet. Just a bad, well, just, yeah, just they were just being naughty on, okay. on their Pixo right. websites, but uh, so that's like the closest thing. And then I had a Tumblr back in the day, but I wasn't actually like writing anything about myself. I was just re-blogging pictures. Sure. I liked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you, Will? Oh. Do you ever have a blog? Oh, sure. Um, it's funny you say Pixo because for me, uh, we have enough. I guess we have enough of an age gap where for me, uh, when you wanted to create a site. Uh, in elementary school, you use like GeoCities or Angel Fire, wow. uh, or you know Lycos or whatever. So yeah, totally. Um, I had a bunch of blogs. <laughs> you have a little man, like a GIF of a little man shoveling and under, it's, like, construction. under construction. Yeah. Oh yeah, constantly. Um, d- uh, yes, definitely. I've had uh, blogs in the past uh, b- because I was a w- because I was a white teenager and I thought that I was thinking the th- the f- I thought the thoughts that I had nobody else was thinking in the entire world. Mm. Um, so. You know, never very, never very popular, and always very, very like. Probably would look back on that and cringe. I think I found an old blog of mine like earlier this year or late last year, and kind of went through it, and it's like, like I was surprised at how much I didn't hate it. Like there is very much still some cringy stuff in there, but it was also like, oh, okay, like I'm actually not that bad of a writer, and I had skills even as when I was younger, but it just needed to be like refined through actual experience. So. Yeah, I had my fun with blogs. I was never very good at making them look good, but I ha- could think of content um, for blogs, certainly. Um, we also see here, I will mention, in Muffy's Costa Rica journey, we get a shot of El Boomerang from Follow mm. the Bouncing Ball. So that is still going, and so it seems that we'll continue to follow that thread. How did El Boomerang get to Costa Rica? We'll never know, but I... I... Uh, do like this little Easter egg, this kind of like Where's Waldo-esque, can you spot El Boomerang? Mm-hmm. And I hope it continues. I will just briefly mention here, and Lucas, you touched on this already, that, you know, the B-plot is Mr. Rapper and trying to get the internet. We see him going to like a like a Circuit City or a Radio Shack. Yes. What, what did you think of Throwaway character of the week. Throwaway character of the week. I was going to say, I figured this member of the Geek Squad, <laughs> Trip, would be your guy. Yes, evil on commission Best Buy bunny trip uh, <laughs> upsells Mr. Ratburn and tells him he has to buy the most expensive computer because it's good for beginners. You know, I feel like off screen he's telling him to buy the gold plated HDMI cables because it's good to make it go <laughs> faster. Probably uh, sold him an Alienware desktop. 
Exactly, exactly. So yes, Trip and his <laughs> uh, unscrupulous sales tactics is the throwaway <laughs> character of the week. We also, the, there's a couple of cutaways to Mr. Ratburn trying to turn on his computer, and eventually he gets suckered into falling for email scams, which is like, yes. it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a very, it's, it's very like an easy setup, but like, go for it. Like it's, to, Ratburn is totally the character to do it with, and I wouldn't say it made me like heartily laugh or anything, but it's like, yeah, that's, that's what would happen. So I appreciated it. But the, yeah, the A plot, the meat of this episode is that Muffy, Muffy's really, really into blogging. So she, we see her blogging from a desktop, from a laptop, and then eventually she gets her own smartphone, my smartphoney, it's called, and then she is constantly online. She cannot log off. So I, I had, a, I had a note here as we were alluding to, we would talk about. So it, it's just, it's funny to think about how. When this episode came out, Twitter already existed. Like, Twitter started in the late 2000s. But the main method of online expression for this brief little window from the late 2000s into the early 2010s was blogging because Twitter just wasn't as popular and Facebook was still gaining steam. However, I don't think it was ever a potential danger to kids the way that social media is now. And the way the episode talks about it is that Muffy... Like, essentially, if you took like blogging and replaced it with being on Twitter, it would make a lot more sense mm, in terms mm. of how addicted Muffy is to being online. And I also find mm. it interesting. The story seems to be that Muffy is just online all the time and it's taking her away from real life, which is a very like parental concern. My parents were, didn't want me to play video games too much or be on the computer too much or watch too much TV because it would get you away from playing outside and being with other people. Fair enough. And, I feel like if this were made five years later, it would be about how Muffy's constantly online and she's seeing stuff that will like mess her up for the rest of her life. Like 2010, mm. we're all like, we're all dumb kids. We're going to rotten.com. We're going to e-bombs world. <laughs> we're playing all of the X rated games on new grounds. Like that's even passe by then you can see like, you can like the fact that Muffy has unchecked internet usage and the, the conversation is like, oh, like it's taking her away from her friends or her real life or experiencing life and not like, hey, there's some bad stuff on there. Kind of mm. gives you an idea of what the conversation was like was like then. Well, and I will say, though, that I think that in an adult context, this is even more applicable to the here and now. Like you said, if you replace blog with Twitter, you know, I know people who um, give a uh, inflated importance to the dramas and the inner workings of, of stuff that's happening on Twitter, and they treat Twitter like it's a reality, uh, yeah. sometimes to the detriment of people they know in real life. So that's a very real phenomenon. Um, and something that happens in this episode is the kids start to um, get less interested in Muffy's content as she's she right. back from Costa Rica and eventually she's just talking about her day to day, you know, what curtains she's going to get and people stop reading the blog cuz they they don't find it interesting. Which so what is, does Muffy which do? Which I feel is the wall that every young content creator hits at some point, especially the ones that well, are like making it about their life and just like eventually you're going to run down to stuff to talk about unless you do other stuff. Well, and here's the thing. <laughs> it it follows the very real arc yes. of low-level content creators right. because what does Muffy do to stir up clout? 
drama report. Drama it's blog. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like Keemstar, you know, like like the the <laughs> that's literally in vlogging. That's what happens on YouTube. That's what happens on Twitch. In in that world where you're a content creator and the content is you, it seems that if if you just don't got it. The trajectory is to start drama with something else, and that's what get that's what gets eyeballs. So this, I thought, was I, I wonder if this is art imitating life or vice versa. Like, was this already kind of a phenomena? Were the mommy blogs already feuding in 2010, or was Arthur kind of prescient in this sense, where this is very much the trajectory for content creation? Is that uh, when in doubt, start some drama? Um, I think it's a very. I think it's a very. Yeah, you're 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 good. You're right to say prescient. Um, yeah. So Muffy does start a drama blog for clicks, um, and she begins kind of uh, talking smack about Francine. I also thought that maybe this was maybe lightly touching on things like TMZ, perhaps at the time, because TMZ started off as like a blog, which was probably one of, probably one of the more notable blogs that became essentially like a minor media empire. So I imagine that might be a way for them to touch on, on it that way. Francine is of course offended by this and takes the Frensky star online, much like our friend, the Frensky star has an online version of uh, the phenomenon to respond to Muffy. And this sparks a feud, which gets interest renewed in the Muffington post. Um, also very funny to see that a lot of the blog correspondence is done from desktop computers. Like Muffy has mm-hmm. a smartphone and she's like, she's the rich girl. So she's the only person with a smartphone, but Francine has to use like three, like a desktop, a desktop computer at school, at the library and at home to continue to update the blog. Whereas like, if this were happening again, five years later, they would just be, you would just see their thumbs on the phone. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, like, it is really interesting to see them comment on this. It's just a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a miscalculation, but just, like, they're just, all they're almost there, but it's about blogs, and it's like, eh, it kind of doesn't work in that way, but it would if you just substituted that. Uh, it ends up that Binky creates a third blog called Mr. Chatter Blog <laughs> to call out wait, Muffy wait, wait. Francine. They do it in a way where it's a really good reveal, where... Everybody's talking about, like, did you hear there's a whole website dedicated to Muffy and Francine's drama? And they're all, like, looking at Mr. Chatterblog, and they're like, who wrote this? And there's this great reveal where Binky comes out, and it was Binky all along. Um, and, th- th- you know, they're like, Binky, why did you do this? And there's some great lines from Binky where he's like, I call him as I see him, and I already have 112 hits. Yeah, 112 hits. Like some of some of the the counters of like um ta- talking about like oh I got this many. I'm just like oh that's so cute. Um, I was watching a video about like a music video that went quote unquote viral in like 1999 or 2000, and it's and it was like it was like they saw huge success. They had like 250 visitors in three days or something <laughs> like that. It's, it was. It's- it's like in the Batman movie where they're like, my God, the Riddler has 500 fans. <laughs> right. He had 500 people on his live stream. <laughs> oh, my God. He can't be stopped. Um, so I yeah, we're almost at, well, next Twitch stream. We're almost at Riddler levels. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this wasn't how it was supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I also had a note here. Um, I 
I try I try to keep it light on terms of the like criticism of the animation. I just couldn't help but notice that in the second half of this particular episode, it started the the characters started looking a little bit rougher than usual, and I've just been mm. noticing that the animation quality generally is not up to where it has been in the past. It's especially like, um, I, I, like every once in a while, I'll, and again, I hate to sound like the old person that I am, because one of the older people who listens to this podcast is me, one of. Um, you know, you go back to Arthur season one and the fact that, well, that is like the most, one of the more expensive seasons of the show, and it's, they had a lot more time to work on it, so a lot of the animation looks a lot smoother and more consistent. So it's a little bit unfair to compare the two, but it's also... The comparison is there. Anyway, the episode ends up with Muffy and Francine deciding to merge their blogs together and only talk bad about each other in private. Mm, mm. Yes, the exact quote is, from now on, if I insult you, it's going to be in private. And they even have a column together called She Said, She Said, which is actually a really good title, where they get where they have two differing points of advice. It reminds me of that art that um those Arthur YouTube videos that I've put in the Discord before of like the uh the game where it's like Binky is giving advice and then slowly becomes this like horrible god creature. <laughs> mm. Um just reminded me of that a little bit. The two different opinions. And Mr. Ratburn comes into the sugar bowl where everybody is because he wants to show them his new boysenberry. <laughs> Do you get it? And he's using it, he's using it to post on his blog, which is called The Rat's Nest. Which, to be fair, I think they really captured Ratburn's spirit in The Rat's Nest. He's like, oh, I put up word problems and I correct people's grammar. And <laughs> like, it's just like, it's very him. So I thought that was a, a funny way to end that. It seems that maybe we might be getting away from the whole thing of Ratburn is a is uh, technologically illiterate. Maybe he's a, he'll actually mm. become better than we think. True. We never see follow up of him uh, uh, ostensibly giving his credit card, his SIN number to some uh, African prince or something. Like, we don't really see the payoff for him falling for the phishing scheme. So, <laughs> all right. Around the world in 11 minutes, is there much to say at all? No, it's just kind of not a good episode, I would say. No. I would say this is an episode where Arthur feels like a kid's show. And I mean, it is a kid's show, but it feels like a kid's show where there's not really thought being put into what you're seeing. Yeah. It's just stimuli. It's like the babies and the dog are going to different places. Um, kids sh kids and... show derogatory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and it also marks the return of Pepe, which is just, you know, two thumbs down. Unforgivable. Uh, yeah. Unforgivable. <laughs> So yeah, not a, not a, not a good episode. Okay, so let's talk about the actual like the, the actual meat of this, and I'll let you go first again, Lucas. Um, Muffy and the Big Bad Blog. Wh how what did you think of this all told? Well, yeah, I was really surprised by Muffy and the Big Bad Blog because um, we've had episodes before that kind of get dangerously close to uh, the sentiment, the kids beyond their damn phone, you know what I mean? The, the kind of thing you see where when people make cringy posts like, oh, I went to a playground and I put up these stickers that say not available on the App Store. Uh, and I always find those kind of sentiments really corny and kind of out of touch uh, because often when kids are on the phone, they're talking to their friends. Lo and behold, the actual moral of this episode um, is way more, uh, to steal a word we were using earlier when talking about Arthur, it's more 
nuanced than that. And it actually, despite all the antiquated language around blogs, is really applicable to today, which is that Muffy is losing touch with the real world because she's so caught up uh, in um, posting everything, which is true. This is something that people could do where they're so focused on posting what's happening to them on Instagram or on Twitter that they kind of uh, forget to live in the moment to an extent. And then to another level, she gets caught up in this online feud with Francine, which reflects poorly on them both. And the, the conclusion they both come to is that, listen, we're going to have our disagreements, but we can kind of regain our dignity or, or, or keep our dignity if we have those disagreements in private as opposed to in front of the world at large. And this is advice that I think it's not just for kids, but like many people I know in my life, right. sometimes I'll see people post things and I go, you know what? Sometimes you're better off not posting. You know, sometimes I, I read people's uh, social media and I think, you know, I, I shouldn't know this about this person. You know, there, there should yes. be other ways that this person deals with this as opposed to uh, putting it out there for everybody because you never know who could be reading that stuff. And also it's, when you're talking to someone, there's a lot of things you're able to infer based off their body language, their tone, um, and also it doesn't live there for forever, right? They say something and it goes away. And so there's much more room for mistakes or nuance or learning or growing. But when you put something on social media, it's like you are putting up a billboard for the world to see. And if it reflects poorly on you, um, that's really bad because it's up there and someone could have screenshotted it. And even though you deleted it or anything like that. So, I think the takeaways from this episode are really good and really applicable to not just kids, but adults today. And I think despite it, it is definitely dated with all the blog language and the names of everybody's blogs and the layout of everybody's blogs, and it just kind of seems unrealistic that everybody's so into Buffy's blog. Yeah. Uh, like, that just doesn't seem to be reflective of reality whatsoever. Uh, maybe it was in 2010, but certainly not anymore. So that stuff's really dated. But I came away from the episode thinking that it was a really good episode for the moment surprisingly enough and I was impressed what about you Will I liked it too um and I will and I will admit that the concession you have to make is that a lot of this as you mentioned the language around blogging and whatnot is is anti antiquated and probably if a kid watched this today wouldn't make a lot of sense it, 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 it's funny like while you were talking about it, I'm just like this is actually one that could do with a slight remake now we've seen Arthur episodes get remade before and it's just basically you know, they just excise one part of the plot and it's basically untouched. But I think this one is like you could tweak this a little bit to be about social media and it would be just as relevant today as it tried to be in 2010. And that's why I think it really succeeds in that it was truly ahead of its time of it's just it just didn't have the platform correct. Um, a lot of the language around what they're using is actually pretty like still uh, relevant and it is something that kids need to learn about it is you you don't realize and and I again I don't mean to hawk your talking points here Lucas but it's funny that you talked about how like you never know who's going to see what online I recently had an experience where like somebody contacted me on my Twitter account which is not a professional account it's just it's just me and they were just like oh yeah we'd like we've seen your work and such and such and we were wondering if you were open to an opportunity and I was like <gasps> like all I, all I post about on my Twitter is like Common Rider and wrestling and it's just like oh like ah. so but it but it's also public so that's totally true and it, it it doesn't feel true until something like that happens to you it's a good it's a really good lesson to learn and I'm always glad to see 
television shows that are on the cusp of media, meet not media, but like technological literacy when it comes to teaching kids. And I know that Arthur is very much an old school show, which like when, you know, when we started, we were talking about like books and the internet was just a gleam in people's eye. But Arthur has managed to pretty, pretty, uh, uh, has managed to evolve fairly well in terms of talking to kids about the latest venues in which they can access information, because that's what kids usually start using the internet for, and to see cool videos usually. I and, and I only wish, like, again, remake this and be like, hey, there's some stuff out there on the internet that can really, can really mess you up, which I think all of us have a story about seeing something on the internet we weren't supposed to. So, yeah, um, just, yeah, I thought the message and the intention behind it was really good. It was just a little bit off in its aim, but it couldn't know that at the time. And, of course, great character to use it with, with Muffy. And I did like the little back and forth between the Muffin Post and the Frensky Star. I thought that, yeah, I, I, I liked I liked this episode, too, and um, really appreciate what it's trying to go for. Well, much like riding a bike, ECL back at it once again as we head into the summer, uh, the summer of 2022. In a couple of months, we'll be celebrating six years, but hopefully by then knock on wood hopefully we'll be clo- we'll be at the end or close to the end of season 14 and we continue along that road so coming up next week of course for our patrons we are going to get, be getting back to for the kids a PBS kids podcast with my pick this time we're going to be talking about the Berenstain Bears a childhood favorite of mine the books are and I have watched the show before and we're going to talk a little bit about the history, including, is it Berenstein or Berenstain? <laughs> yes. We're going we're to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, we're going to have to touch on that. Uh, so that'll be coming up next week, and you'll hear a preview of it on the free feed. In two weeks' time, we'll be back with ECL. We're going to be talking about Arthur Unravels and All the Rage. And I think that Arthur Unravels might have a, a, a one a, another Arthur viral moment in it that I'm interested for us to cover. But Lucas, I'm very glad that you had a good time on your vacation and glad that you're back and we can get back into the schedule of things. Um, And uh, yeah, hopefully the maritime summer will be able to at least try to compete with uh, your times over in Ireland. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually it's, it's, this is surprising to say, being from here, but the weather here is better than the weather in Ireland. No kidding. Uh, you know that old adage about you don't like that East Coast weather, wait five minutes? Yeah. Uh, it is like that to uh, an even further degree in Ireland. You'll you'll get all three seasons in one day. It'll be sunny, and then it'll rain, and then it'll be cloudy. Um, and it's, it's a little bit colder right now in Ireland than it is here. So it's actually uh, kind of refreshing to be back in the maritime weather. Not to say anything bad about Ireland. It was still a lovely adventure. Just bring me my luggage, WestJet. Come on. Do the, it, That's West. the ECL demand. Do, do it, WestJet. Do it, WestJet. All right. For- Listen, if you work at WestJet... You could have free Patreon for life if you could get me my damn luggage. <laughs> guaranteed. Please. Guaranteed. I co-signed that. Get the man his luggage. My name's Will Young. Thank you for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits and for Lucas Mancini. Did you need to learn Costa Rican? <laughs> we'll see you next time. Sorry, Lucas. Just one second. My series going off. Hey Siri, why are we watching another episode with the baby and the dog? (laughs) I hope he leaves that in.